Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This morning I'm going to be speaking on, I'm sort of following on from what Tom spoke about last week. Tom spoke about um, first things first and um, uh, this wasn't necessarily planned as a series, but I just felt this was the right thing to bring for this week. So he spoke on first things first, and if you weren't here last week, uh, or, or if you, even if you were here last week, it's worth a, a second listen, but I think you'll find it's on, uh, available on the website or podcast or whatever it is that we call it, uh, and, and you should have a good look, uh, listen to that again, because that was really very, very good. Today we're going to do um, choose whom you will serve. First things first, choose whom you will serve. Um, some of you will know where that comes from. Anybody know where that comes from? Choose whom you will serve. Somebody said Joshua. Great. Yes, Joshua. Joshua. Joshua 24:15 says, "Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the God which your fathers served that were in the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me, and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord, Yahweh, the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Do you know, Joshua challenged the Israelites to consider, really, which was better for them. Was it better for them to serve the gods of the past, to look back at the traditions that they had in Egypt and serve the traditions that were out there? Was it better for them, perhaps, to serve the present and the peer pressure and the gods of the present around them in their present circumstances? Or should they turn to the eternal God who knows the beginning from the end and the one who's able to do immeasurably more? I mean, for them, it was Yahweh, God the provider, the one who was able to provide. We've even had that already this morning. We've sung, haven't we, about God being the miracle worker, the one's able to do. He's the promise keeper. And I don't know who you need God to be for you today. And it's not disrespectful to say this, but God can be to you what you really need today because he cares for each one of us intimately and wants the best for each of us. You know, sometimes we, we have to realize that God is a loving father and there's no father that would want to withhold the best for their children, and that's just how God is. And, and God wants us to come to him just like that, like children, and expect something from him. Uh, that, that sounds almost wrong to some of our thinking, perhaps, you know, that we should expect something from God. But no, he wants us to come because he wants to give it to us. Do you know, as, as a dad, I love it when I'm able to give something to my children, but it's even nicer when they sort of um, come to me and, and, and sort of want that help and want that support. And in the same way, God wants us to come to him and, and to give to us. I wasn't going to say that. That's uh, something for somebody here this morning. So the question is to choose whom they will serve. Will they choose the, choose the God whose name was Yahweh, the God that was revealed to Moses, the one who'd led them through the Red Sea, and brought them out, in, out of Egypt? Would they choose the one that sustained them through the desert? Would they choose the God who brought them victories as they entered the promised land or not? And Joshua was firm. Joshua knew. He said, no, as for me and for my household, for those that I represent, I will serve 
the Lord. And, and I think that's a challenge for us right at the moment, isn't it? As, as Hannah was saying, you know, no pastor here. That, what does that mean? As for us and our house, will we serve the Lord? And that's a question for us today, isn't it? Will we serve the Lord? Will we hear from him what is the thing for us in this time to do? And will we do it? It's the big question. So, um, we're going to read a passage. It's from Matthew 6, as you perhaps can imagine. Matthew 6, it's going to be 19 to 34. It's quite long. I might skip over some of it. It's going to come up here behind me. It's Matthew 6, and it starts at verse 19. And this is Jesus speaking. This is part of the, his Sermon on the Mount. It's part of, um, really, the, the, the biggest piece of single teaching that Jesus brought to his disciples and to us. And so it's really important to us. It starts like this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on the lamp of the, about the lamp of the body and making that sure. And then he goes on in verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either they will hate the one and love the other, or else be loyal to the one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put, it, put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can have one cubit to his stature. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the, the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, and knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, or today is enough worry for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we're going to go back to that one, one section there, which is verse 24. But it's in the context of trusting God. All of this about serving God is in the context of trusting God. The Israelites were challenged to serve God because they needed to trust him for their situation. It's the same for us today, and that's the challenge that Jesus gives us here. Trusting God to meet our every need. You know, as I mentioned there, it, it's, it, God sees us with great value. He values us so much. And Jesus says, are you not of more value than the creation that you look around us? There's that amazing psalm, isn't there? Psalm 121, which I really, really like. Um, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the maker 
of heaven and of earth. It's him, it's the maker of heaven and earth, who loves us and wants the best for us, who can provide for us, who can give us what we need to eat, who can give us what we need to drink, who can give us what we need to wear. All these things are promised to us. God is the one who is our source. It's not our paycheck at the end of the month or the, the government if they give us an allowance or whatever it might be. It's God who's our ultimate source of all things. Do you know, um, and so in that sense, we should be thinking that God is our ultimate wage payer. He's the one who pays us. He's the one who gives us all things. It's Colossians 3, 23 and 24. We should serve those that we work for as if we're serving God because he ultimately is the one who provides for all of our needs. Where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. It comes from him, himself. He gives us all of these things. So does that mean that we need to not do anything? No, but it does mean that we need to trust him in all things. You know, that there's a temptation, maybe it's just me, but there is, I feel, a temptation for us to think that we can be... Um, doing it ourselves. You know, there's this whole idea. When I was growing up, certainly there was this idea that you could be a self-made millionaire. I guess these days it would be a self-made billionaire, wouldn't it? And, yeah. Um, and, you know, there's this the big uh, hubbub about people like Elon Musk and these others and just how they've done it for themselves. And yet, the reality is that that's not true. We can only do it through God who gives us all that we can receive from him. So we're to serve, it says there, verse 24, choose whom you'll serve. It says, oh, I've lost it. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So, quick question. We've, we've understood God. We've got, a, well, we haven't fully understood God, but you get what I mean. We know who we're talking about when we talk about God. But what do we mean when we talk about mammon? Money. Money, belongings, and materialism. Okay. Anybody have anything else? The world system. Okay. Okay. In the, that the world has a means of providing for themselves, etc. Yes, 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 yes. The world system. Okay. Anything else? No, I think those are good things. I think those are good things. Traditionally, we've thought that mammon means money, and, and yes, in a way, it does mean money, and yet it's not just money itself. Um, money, actually, there might be some slides that go with some of this. Um, mammon in the Aramaic, apparently, I'm not an Aramaic scholar, but I read this in a book. Uh, mammon in, in the Aramaic means wealth, riches, and possessions in its broad sense. But the reality is it means a bit more than that. It means anything we trust instead of God our provider. So it's the reliance on those things. It's not those things themselves. So money in itself is not a bad thing, but our reliance on money to provide for us is not the right thing. That's mammon in this sense. In the same way, our possessions, and um, you know, if we believe that our possessions make us, then that also is mammon in that sense. These things in themselves are not mammon, but they become mammon when we derive security from them or worry about the lack of them. So, I don't know about you, but I've certainly been 
in those positions where perhaps I've had a, a lack of cash or I've had a worry about money or certain things, I don't know, maybe nobody else in the room has ever had that. But that's something that I think, you know, we've all probably experienced at some point. And at that point, whether do we turn to think, well, can we do another job? Do we turn to think, where can we get this cash from? Do we turn to think, well, maybe we can borrow it or, or somebody will give it to us? Or do we trust in the Lord and say, God, what is it that you want me to do here? How can I learn from you something through this to provide for me in this particular need that I'm in? What things or lack of things in your life causes you to lose your peace? And to start to worry, I wonder. What things cause you to lose your peace and start to worry? Because peace is the arbiter of our soul. Peace is God's peace inside us. will govern what we should do and govern where we should go. What takes and steals your peace is that which turns out to be something that could be mammon in your life. Mammon, you know, leads us into slavery as well, and we see that, don't we, with, with uh, the slavery that comes from debt and from borrowing. We see it in so many different ways. But the prize for serving or trusting God and trusting him alone is his blessing and his peace. His blessing and his peace that, you know. So let's ask ourselves some, some questions, shall we? Do you serve or trust in money? Do I serve or trust in money? You're not necessarily going to have to put your hands up and give an answer to that one, but let's think about it. So, as I say, contrary to some Bible translations, mammon isn't necessarily money, but it is the uh, reliance on money that turns itself into mammon. And it's looking to money for our security, looking for those things around us, our possessions for our security, to gain some extra self-worth, to be able to... Um, I turn to those things rather than to trust in God. Money is just another material possession. It's just another resource. We've got resources all around us. And in itself, money has no power. But we know, don't we, that the love of money or the desire for money or the need to have those things around us is the thing that turns itself into something negative. If our trust is in money, then it becomes mammon just as anything else does. The Apostle Paul warns us about the dangers of money, as I've just said, about the love of money. And Jesus tells us to lay up treasures in heaven, doesn't he, just here in this one. So what, where are your treasures? Are your treasures on this earth or are your treasures in heaven? What's your thinking? Do you realize that God of heaven gives us all that we need or not? The antidote to loving money, this is an interesting one. Somebody said, the antidote to loving money is to develop a generous giving heart. That's interesting. Now, some of you will know um, Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren. We used to teach a whole series of that here. Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life from Saddleback Church in the States. He had a book. The book went global, Purpose Driven Life book, and there was teaching and there was material there. And over the years, he, he sold more and more material, more and more books, and so on. And when they started out, him and his wife started out, they started with a 10% tithe. They started with a traditional 10% tithe and, and gave from what they had. And over time, their money increased and their income increased. And as their income increased, so they increased their tithing. And in the end, they decided that they would live on the 10% and give 90%. Yeah. 
that's quite a, you know, that's a challenge for, for all of us, I think, isn't it? Whoa. Um, and uh, so, so the, and, and it was sort of within that thinking that they said, you know, the antidote for loving money is being generous with it. So I don't know, in your day-to-day, -day, and I'm not trying to say, please give more money here. It's, it's how we hold with our money. It's looking at the people around us. It's realizing the needs that there are around and about. It's, it's not necessarily giving money. It's a generous heart and a generous spirit, isn't it? It's, it's giving even of ourselves that's important. It's an attitude thing we're talking about here. But it's amazing how much our heart gets shown by what we do do with what we call our money. Yeah? Really is. So uh, that's just one thinking. Do you serve or trust in money? Do you rely on money or do you rely on the Lord? Do you serve the Lord? Because, you know, the, the reality is if we trust in something, we do ultimately serve it. And if we trust in money, we become a slave to money. And if we are therefore trusting that money will provide for our future, if we're trusting that, that what we put in the bank will ultimately be the thing that saves us in the future, then when our pensions suddenly decrease because for some reason there's a pandemic and everything that's been invested in goes down, or when there's been a war, or when there's been an oil crisis, we're reliant upon the world's systems, as Richard said, to then provide for us. But no, that's not the way we should be. We should be trusting in God himself. So do you serve or trust in money? We shouldn't. We should serve in the Lord. Do you serve, next question, do you serve or trust in the world system, which Richard mentioned? Do you know, the, the Israelites had come out of Egypt. They'd come out of an Egyptian system, a system which forced them into slavery, a system which forced them into a particular way of working. Do you know, also, we think about this as the Babylonian system. It comes from Babel. It comes from those early chapters of Genesis, Genesis 10 and 11, where there was, everybody was getting together, everybody could speak the same language, and they determined to build a, a tower to the heavens. They decided that they would be able to do it themselves. Whatever we put our hand to, we can do this. And God looked upon that and realized that there was this one world society there that was built on an independence of him. They decided, everybody was deciding they would not follow God, but they would be independent of him. And we see that still in today's society and in today's system. The systems of this world are built not on God, but are built on man, on humanity, and on us achieving for ourselves. Would we agree? Yeah? But ultimately, if we read in, in Revelation 18, ultimately, Babylon falls. The system falls, and I'm not getting into all of that, and I'm not predicting end times and so on. That's a, another study and another day. But the key thing is the system falls. Wars do happen. The, the pandemics occur. The system fails. And if we're totally reliant on man's system, on the world's system, then we too will fall with it. We're called to come out of the system, not be a part of it. And Jesus himself came into this world, and he was, in a sense, part of the system, and yet he was apart from it. How was he apart from it? Because he did what he heard God saying to him to do. And just in the same way, we should do what we hear God saying. So in our day-to-day, -day, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit, and we need to be led in him. We need to trust and serve God, not the world system. And I guess the, the last one that we should ask ourselves is, do we serve ourselves? 
Do you serve yourself? Do I serve myself? When we presume that we can do something in our own strength, and, you know, um, my example would be uh, as, as a, uh, well, no, let's, let's forget that. Let's think about where we've just been. We just were over in Ireland, as I say, we went through Belfast. And as you go through Belfast, a couple of times we drove past the great big crane, the Hollander Wharf crane. And uh, Holland and Wolf were shipmakers. The famous ship they made was, anybody know? The Titanic. And did the people in the Titanic and the Titanic builders have a sense of their own self and their own self-worth? Absolutely. Did they think they'd built a ship that would last and would last forever? Yeah, really. It was the biggest and the best, and it was going to go places. And they were charging huge sums to go on board. And yet... You know, there's a big exhibition there now. There would be no exhibition there if it weren't for the fact that the whole thing sank on its very first voyage. Sometimes we trust in ourselves just like those guys trusted in their own ability to build that ship. But really, unless God is with us, it's impossible to continue on. We can find that we hit the icebergs of life and we just go under. But with God, we're able to go above and beyond that. So the antidote to serving self is, again, choosing dependence upon God. It's not me, it's you, God. It's not me, it's you. His life living in is his life working through us. I did want to talk about replacing worry with renewal, but time is up. So replacing worry with renewal, that idea that we should not worry about those things, that we, we, where we trust in God, we then are able to not worry about finances, not worry about our health, not worry about those things that we can't control. But we should replace that worry with that sense and that understanding of who God is. We should replace that worry with meditating on the world, and that was that, was that last bit. But in conclusion, the question, whom will you serve? Whom will I serve? It's about trusting, and it's about who do we trust, and it's about what do we trust. Do we trust in God, or do we trust in the things around us? Do we trust in God, or do we trust in others? Do we trust in God, or do we trust in, in money and possessions and wealth? That's the big question. If we trust in God, we know. And, you know, it's not just a... We, if we trust in God as our source, if we trust in him to provide for our basic needs, which is what this is about, after all, eating, drinking, and clothes, our basic needs, if we trust in him for our basic needs then that's the first test to work with God. And then beyond that, he will give us that next phase whereby we can trust him to see signs, wonders, and miracles. But those signs, wonders, and miracles don't come if we don't have that first step of trusting him for our basic needs. So this morning, question for yourselves, for me as well. Will we choose to serve God? Will we choose to serve him alone? Will we serve him this day and this day forward? Will we serve him because we trust him? Will we trust him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, our souls, our spirits? As we trust in him, he will turn our circumstances around. He will be the one who is the miracle worker. He will be the one who is the promise keeper. Do you know Joshua? In the book of Joshua, we read that not a single one of the God's promises to Israel were not fulfilled. They were all fulfilled. And in the same way, every promise that God has given for us will be fulfilled if we trust in him and serve him. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us 
at info at or check out our website at www.centre-church.uk.